The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, Brandon Bass, a local attorney, is our guest from the law offices of John Day. And if you are in a vehicle accident, Brandon has some ideas that will help you out this morning. So be listening, and uh, if you want to join us, if you have a question, he's here to help you. 615-893-1450. Brandon, good morning to you. Morning, Bart. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to have you with us today. Good to see you. About to see a change in the weather, it looks like. It, they're saying it's supposed to be pretty rough out there. It's yeah. kind of got that Gonna have threatening a, tone right now, though, you know? A little twist on the cooler weather. <laughs> Real cooler. Yeah, for... <laughs> What, the second week of the year? It feels like we've gone through all four seasons already. That's right. We're about to go through them again, I think. That's why we were suggesting everybody head up to Holden Hardware. If there are sleds in the window, he has sleds, and you need a sled. Uh, That's shocking to me, given that it was 60-something yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what did they say? If you don't like the weather one day, stick around. It'll be different tomorrow. And that's still, uh, no matter what the weather is, people still have automobile accidents, truck accidents. Uh, they don't. We don't have an off season on that. No, no. Uh, it, it feels like when the weather's nice, folks feel like they're invincible, and when the weather's bad, folks feel like everybody else must be invincible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's look at some of these things that you should not do. If you are involved in a, a vehicle accident, uh, we've talked about things you should do, but uh, we thought it would be an interesting twist to look at the things you should not do. And interestingly enough, those are the things a lot of people do. So, absolutely. You know, every insurance card that I've gotten since I got my first driver's license a, uh, a long time ago, uh, 30 years ago. They've always said, don't admit fault at the scene. Um, and there's a reason for that. You know, you don't know what's all, you don't know all the facts. Even if you think you might have done something wrong, and you might have done something wrong, it takes, sometimes it takes more than one person to cause a crash. One of the reasons it says, don't admit fault at the scene, is you don't know whether it turns out that the person you were in a crash with was drinking and driving at the time you might have oh I, I tried to beat a yellow light but the other person's three sheets to the wind leaving a bar so there, there's a reason not to go out and say listen I'll take care of it it's all my fault wait until the facts have all come in to figure that piece out now that doesn't mean lie to anybody you certainly be honest if the police ask you questions for sure you tell them but don't go on saying it's 100% my fault, and I'll take care of everything, regardless of what you did wrong, you know? So be be honest, be open, but uh, don't say something you shouldn't say. Yep, yep. Wait to see, the t- uh, wait to see what, what comes of it um, and, and what you find out. The other piece of that is, you know, sometimes uh, um, people get hurt. In crashes and you want to find out how everybody's doing 
before you start saying, uh, we'll take care of it, we'll take care of it. You know, I've seen cases where somebody was on their way to a chiropractor's office when they got in a crash and they said, well, now I'm going because of you. Right? That's true. <laughs> so if you come out saying, it's all my fault, I'll take care of it, there still may be questions about what all needs to be taken care of. Again, do the right thing. Make sure everybody does get taken care of. If somebody needs to get to a doctor, if, if they need an ambulance, make sure everybody's taken care of and certainly stable. But you don't want to fall on a sword and find out that you uh, you just promised to, to pick up the tab for somebody who already had a group on for six months of chiropractic care. Let me ask you this, because you, you see this occasionally. Uh, people refu- refusing to take treatment at the scene because they are afraid of a medical bill. And then I saw somewhere that sometimes the air ambulances cost a hundred and something thousand dollars. Is that possible? Absolutely. So those two things. First, uh, on people taking, refusing to take uh, uh, care of themselves at the scene. <laughs> My advice to folks usually is do what you would do regardless of there being a car accident. Can't guarantee that everybody's got insurance. Can't guarantee that there's money to pay for you. But I can tell you this. Um, if you don't go to the doctor when you should, then later on there's going to be some insurance lawyer telling a, a bunch of jurors, well, if they actually needed to go to the doctor, they would have. There must not have been anything wrong with them at the time. This is all something else. So getting in to see a doctor is important. It's also important for your health. Um, Some stuff heals quicker than others, especially once you get started, but it can get worse if you just let it go for a while. If If it turns out you got a torn ligament and you don't take care of that, that can do more damage to the joint. So getting in early is important, A, so that everybody knows, yes, you had a reason to go to the doctor. This isn't something that came up later and B, so that the doctor had a chance to get you on the best possible track. And then C, you know, life gets in the way. I've seen plenty of folks who are in a bad car crash, hit by a truck or something, and they put off and put off going to see a doctor. They're told you gotta go to a neurologist, or you gotta go to somebody, and it, it sounds scary. And then life happens in the middle. They have something else happen, something falls on them at work. Or they, you know, a, a dog gets after them. Now there's a reason for some insurance lawyer to get up and say, this has nothing to do with the car accident. This is all that that incident at work that we've seen paperwork about. So getting documentation from a doctor early is, is really, really helpful. But you brought up another point, Bart, and that is, you know, the, the air evac. Those helicopters, that is not a cheap service. Um, I I don't know a whole lot of folks who own their own helicopter anyway. I don't know what it would cost just to get a regular helicopter to drive you to work like an Uber. But when you throw some EMTs in there and such and you do it on an emergency basis to a hospital, yeah, those bills can be fifty, dollars $100,000 real, real quick. Uh, but I also say this. If they're telling you you need a helicopter, get in the helicopter. That is That is not a normal thing. We see... Lord knows how many car crashes that we deal with in, in our casework every year. There's plenty that go with uh, air evac from the scene, but when that's the case, it's because they're worried specifically you're not going to make it through a regular ambulance. So um, when that happens, you're going to be in that helicopter. Usually you don't have a whole heck of a lot of choice. You may be unconscious. 
um, figuring out how to pay those bills later is uh, uh, it's a challenge for us. Hopefully you got somebody on your side to help you figure out that challenge. But the main thing is to take care of your health. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> from my standpoint, um, nobody wants to pay medical bills, but also nobody wants to pay the price of not getting medical care either. Finding out down the road that you're going to be walking with a limp for life because you could have gotten a, a simple little <laughs> simple surgery. Um, anytime they say surgery, it still never feels that simple to me. I, <laughs> if it's you, it's not simple. Yeah. Maybe somebody else. <laughs> but you could have had an afternoon away from work getting a surgery on your knee, and it turns out that now it's too little too late, and you're going to walk with a limp. I just as soon take that afternoon off work and figure out later how I'm going to pay for it. What are some other things that people are doing that, uh, you know, a big question mark on? You know, um, when somebody gets hurt, tempers can flare. And every now and then I'll see somebody who jumps out and the first thing they do is not worry about is everybody hurt, is everybody okay. They're not worried about stabilizing the situation. They're worried about who am I going to go beat up. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> every now and then I see one where somebody jumps out of the vehicle and the first thing they do is, is start cursing up and down a storm. Uh I would not recommend ever doing that. Nothing good's ever going to come of it, period. Um, again, just make sure everybody's okay. Be polite. Be courteous. And all this, the other stuff will get taken care of later. Nothing good's going to come out of uh, um, chewing somebody out or, or calling them nasty names at the scene of a crash. It's not like anybody's going to say, well... They use some words I didn't even know before, so I'm going to go ahead and make sure their medical bills are taken care of. <laughs> so you're saying, first, uh, don't admit to things because uh, you don't know what the facts are. Yes. Uh, and secondly, be sure everybody is medically okay. Uh, and, and what else should you? Should you take pictures of the scene? or Taking pictures of the scene can be helpful. You know, uh, The law is... And the police will tell you right away, you got to get your vehicle out of the road when it's blocking others. If you can get a quick shot or two before you move it, that's great. But you need to move it real quick before the stalled vehicle is in the middle of the highway, cause another crash and get people hurt, including yourself. Um, but then people get in an argument later about, well, I wasn't actually, you get a, a, a case where you got two vehicles in a crash and they're both saying the other one crossed into my lane. It can be helpful if you show your vehicle was entirely still in your lane and they were over in your lane afterwards. They'd cross the center line or cross the uh, uh, um, lane on the interstate. So getting shots there. But other than that, getting shots of the vehicle's position as well as the position of any other parts of the vehicle or evidence on the roadway can be very very helpful you see a, a headlight get busted out and again it shows where the vehicle was when there was impact after that if the cars are hit bad enough they're both going to be taken to a tow lot and you have time to get a lawyer out there to take pictures of the tow lot with everything including the VIN numbers there's no question this is that person's vehicle license plate um, any prior damage to the vehicle to say, well, look, it, it looks like this guy can't make it to the grocery store and back without hitting something. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So uh, you get all those photographs afterwards. 
but seen pictures that show that can help show at least the resting positions of the vehicles after impact can be very helpful to you. People are still able to come into court and, and you can tell your story and say, I was here the whole time. This was my lane and this crazy truck driver just swerved over into it. But a picture goes a long, long way. You don't have to worry about whether a jury believes you or, or whether an insurance company believes you to, to pay you without having to go to a jury. If you got photographs that show absolutely the truck driver crossed into your lane or, or rear-ended you and knocked you into the middle of a intersection or what have you. Is that why so many people you're seeing these days are putting movie cameras in their vehicles? Yeah, I, I don't know why people are doing it in particular. I rarely see um, a regular person, just a passenger car, mm -hmm. that has mm -hmm. a dash cam. I do see them for a lot of trucking companies and commercial vehicles. They're putting them in all their fleet vehicles. Uh, and sometimes I see them in folks who drive ride-sharing services like Uber or Lyft who are on the road a good bit. I think... Uh, I'm having to guess at why your average person does it if they're doing ride sharing. I think that they're seeing it on the internet as well. They're they're seeing all over Twitter and stuff. Somebody posted and said a crazy person pulled out in front of me and here's my proof, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that the trucking companies are doing it because they'd like to know early and often. If this is a claim we got to pay for, that's fine. We'll hand over the proof to the other side, but at least we'll know. And if it's not a claim we have to pay for, we have the the other hand side of it um but i don't know anybody personally that actually has one uh, you just see them on facebook and stuff like that yeah you know it's um i i feel like everybody and their brother has one of those doorbell cams these days yeah yeah but i don't see as many dash cams among <laughs> my family and friends all that often uh but i will tell you I don't know what percentage it is. A, a healthy percentage of major trucking companies have them in every fleet vehicle um, so that they can evaluate and, and figure things out. What about eyewitnesses? How can you find eyewitnesses to the crash to sort of corroborate your story? So here'd be my advice on that part. Here's what I would do. Okay. okay? If I'm at the scene of a crash and, and I, I'm involved in it, the police are supposed to do that, but depending on the crash, the police may or may not have the time or inclination to spend that long taking down people's names and numbers. Police reports supposed to, though, include the names of all and names and contact information for all witnesses. But to be fair to the to police officers, look, they come up to the scene of what appears to be entirely a fender bender at the middle of an, uh, a busy intersection during rush hour traffic. They're motivation is probably to get that scene cleared more than to, to get the names and phone numbers of everybody who's stuck at that intersection waiting to get through. So you can't count on anybody else to do it for you. If you can, I would not interview anybody at the scene. I would not do that. I would leave that for somebody else later to find out what each person saw but if you can find out if they got a business card or if they'll just give you their cell, their name and cell phone number real quick and say, sir, you are over here. In case uh, my insurance company or anybody has any questions about what happened, would you mind if I just get your name and number and I'll, I'll give it to them? 
but I wouldn't interview her or anything else. Here's why. You don't... An insurance representative, a claims adjuster who does this for a living, an investigator, a lawyer like myself who does this for a living, we have specific questions and follow-up questions we want to know the answers to. And we also know how to instruct people to say, listen, I'm not trying to get you to say anything whatsoever. We, there's a process to interviewing somebody, right? Um, to treat them fairly and make sure you got fair information. Here's what you don't want to have happen, Bart. You don't want a witness coming in and testifying in court says, well, after I saw this Camaro hit somebody, it felt like the Camaro driver was trying to get me to say something to help him. Mm. Even mm. if you're really trying to be polite, you just, you're putting yourself on the line in terms of the investigation. If you can get away from it so that they can't accuse you of saying, trying to change witness testimony or, or twist people's words, all you did was ask for name and phone number. Nobody can feel pressured by it. Make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Here's a, a listener who's saying that they were involved recently in an accident and the other party was not ticketed. They didn't get a ticket either. Is there a reason for that? Uh, they really felt that the other person should have gotten a ticket. <laughs> it, it's pretty common, actually. Um, if the police don't see what happened, then it's rare, 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 rare for the police to issue a ticket because the, the police officer can't come into court and testify in a, by the way, there's civil case and there's the criminal or traffic ticket case, right? If you have a lawsuit between you and the other person that has nothing to do with whether there was a ticket, maybe relevant, there may be stuff coming along in there, but it's separate and apart on the criminal case where the person's been given a ticket or arrested for their driving. That's the police officer coming into court and testifying and saying, I saw this, that, or the other thing, and here's some witnesses that back me up. If the police officer didn't see them run a red light, the police officer really can't come in. Unless it's real serious, it's very, very rare for them to issue a ticket or a citation of any kind if they didn't observe what happened and unless there's somebody who's uh, who may die. Uh, Fatal or near fatal injuries. Um, so that is a red light right there. It's yes. If there's somebody who's potentially uh, facing the end of their life as a result of a crash, then you see police doing greater investigation. They want to find out. We want to make real, real sure was this person intoxicated? Was this person driving illegally in some fashion that cost someone uh, the the greatest cost there is cost of a loved one? Um, but it's un. It's more unusual for the police to issue a ticket over a crash that the officer did not witness than it is for the officer to to fail to do so. Uh, there's a police report they still put down, and they can put down their thoughts about what might have happened. Interestingly enough, that police report is inadmissible in, under Tennessee law. Um, it's just a it's supposed to be a guidepost for all the insurance companies and lawyers coming in to figure out what happened. I, specifically then to answer the person's question, there's nothing you can do about it, the police not issuing a ticket to somebody for a crash, but don't feel bad. It's uh, It would be unusual for the police to ticket someone for a crash when the, the officer has no clue other than witness statements, whether there was an actual crime that was, that occurred. 
Another question. This one deals with a person being an uninsured motorist. Uh, is there anything that can be done to get that person uh, to somehow cover the cost of the accident? They've created some damage. Sure. The So under Tennessee law, everybody's required... You get behind the wheel, or anybody gets behind the wheel, is required to have a minimum of twenty-five thousand dollars in insurance. And in this day, that that's been the law f- for forty, fifty years. Twenty-five thousand dollars this day and age will barely get you to the hospital. Um, but they've at least supposed to have that. If a person doesn't have insurance, they got to pay out of their own pocket. Okay. So you, you can compel them to pay. It gets exceedingly complicated in terms of compelling them to pay. Um, but failing to get the required insurance does not mean you are you get off uh, without paying the consequences of your actions. It just means you pay directly. So is it, uh, does this mean it goes more, there's more of a court case, or what happens? Well, it gets real dicey. So the very short version is on most insurance policies, your own policy says as well, I've got uninsured motorist coverage. If somebody hits me and they're not, they have no coverage of their own, or if they hit me and they flee the scene like a hit and run driver, I can't even find this person. My policy says I can call my insurance and say you pay for it, you track them down and make them pay. Okay, uh, that's called uninsured motorist coverage. So you turn it into your own insurance. There's a very specific process that you have to comply with. Uh, it's, it's got both procedure as well as a bunch of requirements about evidence that must be gathered and you got to do it within a specific amount of time you turn that in and your own auto insurance chases after the uninsured driver um, but that's again assuming that the, the person who's hurt or whose car was damaged has that uninsured motorist coverage for themselves so listen anytime you get into crash it gets real complicated quickly about who's supposed to pay for what. Your health insurance may say, we're not paying for it. Auto insurance is supposed to pay. Auto insurance may say, we're not paying for it. You got health insurance for this kind of thing. It gets real, real complicated. And um, it takes a while looking over the specific documents for a case. But to answer the very, very specific question, just because somebody didn't buy insurance, that is not a get out of jail free card. They still got to pay for the cost of what the harm that they've done. Our guest this morning, local attorney Brandon Bass, with the law offices of John Day. We're talking about what not to do after a car or truck crash. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text, whichever you prefer. We'll be back after we check the traffic and weather. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Parents, are you looking for a way to help motivate your kids to be more responsible while giving them a financial education? Money habits are set by age 7. So Heritage South has partnered with My First Nest Egg to teach kids healthy money habits. My First Nest Egg is a fun chore and allowance app designed by moms for 3 to 12-year-olds. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org kids to learn how our members can get this amazing app for free, insured by NCUA. When it comes to your home, memories and sentimental value are priceless. Farrah Construction can remodel your home or we can update your kitchen, bath, or other rooms. I'm Ron Hall. 
If you can dream it, Farrah Construction can turn it into reality. Call Farrah Construction at 615-893-6120. That's Farrah Construction. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Good morning. It's busy, but it's moving I-24 as you head up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Over in Nashville, the working wreck's got traffic slow in South Nashville, 65 northbound. It's going to be near Armory. Watch for some radar down I-24 through Coffee County. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee. Check them out at nashpainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. We are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric supplying power to the station's 328-foot tower in downtown Murfreesboro. Middle Tennessee Electric serving to make life better since 1936. Happy birthday to Henry Golzinski, our winner of that delicious banana pudding from Slick Pig Barbecue. And our good neighbor of the day today, receiving flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. Congratulations going out to Cody Jernigan. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us. Uh, He's with the law offices of John Day. What do you not do after a car or truck crash? We thought we'd look at it from things not to do, mainly because those are the things that uh, so many people often do. (laughs) Oh yeah, it'll get you, it'll get you later if you do stuff wrong. You know, one thing we hadn't talked about, Bart, um, is what happens to the cars and trucks that are involved after a crash. Typically, if you got a decent insurance policy with a good company, they may take care of your car. If it's totaled, for example, say, look, you got a deductible, we got $500 or whatever deductible. We, that part's on you, but the rest, we're just going to buy your car for the value of, and we're going to salvage it. Okay? So, mean, total meaning it's not worth fixing. They're going to take it apart, send it down to a, a salvage yard, and break it down into its component parts and sell those. Well, one of the problems with that is once it's salvaged, all the evidence in it is gone. And and Bart, you probably know this, but since 2000s, and and to in some extent uh, with some vehicles since the 90s, they've got computer systems built into them. Right? Those things are extremely helpful for us. We can go through depending on the car and the year and other information. You hook up a device. 
to it. Now, now my laptop won't work. You got to have somebody with an engineering background and special cables. But you hook up a device to it, and it'll tell you how fast the person was going for a minute sometimes leading up to the crash and whether they were accelerating, braking, etc. You get in a lawsuit, you get in a legal claim, and the other driver, some truck driver, is swearing up and down, I was braking, 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 braking. Then you look at their computer system and say, no, you were accelerating, you were back, not only were you accelerating, you were upshifting a half second before you hit me. That data is invaluable in any legal claim, whether whether it's a lawsuit or whether you're just dealing with an insurance company and saying, pay me now. Once the vehicle's been salvaged, it's too little too late. So one thing I'd say to folks is don't let your car get salvaged without getting the data and other evidence out of it. The photographs, you can't take pictures of a, a tiny little square of metal is, that's all that's left after it's been uh, junked. But while it's sitting in the tow lot originally, you can get by, take pictures. You know, one of the things they can find out, Bart, a, a, a smart engineer, and depending on the circumstances, if a, a light's blown out, they can tell whether or not the light bulb was on when it blew really? out. Wow. So if you want to see whether their brake lights were working or their headlights were working, can't. I don't know all the parameters and what exactly they're looking for. I think there's sometimes they can't say for sure, but they can say for sure this was on. I don't know if they can always say whether it was off, especially if it's completely pulverized in the crash. Once that's gone, once the whole vehicle's been junked, you lose access to that. So somebody can come along and say that you, Mr. Victim, you were driving with your headlights off at midnight. If an engineer can get out there in advance, they can see and, and look at your headlights and be able to verify they were on at the time of a crash. I would not let my vehicle be salvaged before getting all the evidence I needed out of it. The other piece I would not let, we'll send out, as soon as we get called, we'll send preservation letters to trucking companies and other insurance companies and say don't do anything to your own vehicle as well give us time to take a look at it and and get the data we need out of it and, and not just computer data but photographs inspections and things like that now once you've notified them don't do anything to your vehicle or to our vehicle or any vehicle uh does that pretty well hold up in court that you've notified them, don't do anything to it, and if they go ahead and do something, uh, they've breached the law. They have. Um, the law is basically this. What a jury can be told is they were told to preserve this, that there was evidence in it that needed to be gathered so you as the jury could see what was there. And you're entitled to decide that if they weren't worried about it, they would not have destroyed it. There must have been some good reason for them to get rid of the evidence before you had a chance to gather it, uh, which goes a long way. I mean, it makes sense. It's good common sense. It says if you know the person who held the evidence and had 100% control of it and knew that they were facing a lawsuit, they'd have let everybody get some pictures and get a good look at it unless they had something to hide. Now, here's a note uh, from a person who says the Murfreesboro Police Department, from what they understand, 
has some type of device that they can put out on a tripod at an accident scene. It takes a 360-degree picture of everything and can tell you if lights are on or if something uh, funny was going on during this. Well, Murfreesboro Police Department does an excellent job with their investigation. They're like a lot of the police departments, though, as well. Look, they're not going to do that over a fender bender. They're not shutting down a busy intersection at rush hour and, and saying everybody's got to stop here because it looks like a car antenna was busted. You know, they do that in cases of fatality or suspected fatalities. When we talk about the tripod, it's an amazing system. Uh, we work with uh, police officers as well as former officers and engineers who have it. And basically, they can put down these devices at all corners of the site of a crash and use lasers and other things running between them in order to 3D map out the locations of every single thing in there. It, it, it's it's fantastic. They can put in there and say, well, I, the police officer could say, right here I found uh, a gash on the ground that looks consistent with um, a car scraping it, uh, a car bottoming out here or, or what have you. And they can map in there and say exactly where that is. With that data as well, you can take it and make a 3D scene. So you can load it up in a computer and you can walk around on it in a computer like you're playing a video game. You can get it all loaded up. And so this is how far apart this was. This is how far apart that was. It's still dependent upon the evidence that's there after the crash. One good reason to get folks in early is if it's not a fatal crash. I've had cases where I've gone out or I've, I've gotten an engineer out and, uh, and found part of a car 20 feet off the side of the road, off the side of a highway. That's really, really helpful to show damage that occurred, pieces that just broke off and nobody saw it at the time. But Murfreesboro Police, they do an excellent job. You know what else they get that uh, we see a lot about in the news these days? But boy, body cam footage is so helpful. Police officers wear those body cams mm -hmm. to interview mm -hmm. suspects, and everybody sits up, up and argues. It's so common in court for people to say, I never said that. I don't know what you're talking about. I, well, I can get body cam footage from the officer. It's recorded onto a computer drive. We can get it and say, yes, you did. <laughs> Here it is in 4K living color. You know, this is HDTV. You can see everything. We can see all your wrinkles and we can see you saying, yes, absolutely. This was your fault. Uh, so th they do it. They do an outstanding job on the cases, um, particularly those that involve fatalities and otherwise. Um, and I find them very frequently make themselves available to attorneys to to provide other information and, and um, help figure out what really happened. We have a question here. A person says, whenever uh, I have been in wrecks in the past, I was always interested in getting my vehicle repaired and getting it uh, useful again. Uh, it sounds like something like this could tie up your car for a good while before it's even begun to be repaired. It can. Um, rarely. It's very, very rare. When you say for a good while, um, you know, there's two things that are happening here. Number one is it costs money to store a car. They're being stored at a tow lot or a, a, a long-term storage facility, and nobody wants to pay for that parking spot. Shoot, no, you know what Nashville area parking costs are anyway, and to pay for it for a broken car, nobody wants to pay for that any more days than they have to. So people move quickly, and they say, you're going to get this done here and now, and people want to get back out, out on the road. Um, so it's usually a very, very, very quick process. 
when you say repairs, that part's a little bit different. You know, one of the things we've seen, um, we're coming out of supply chain issues now, but boy, there was a time during the height of COVID when it was hard for people to get their cars back on the road. It's one thing to say this car is broken and you got to replace it, but boy, if it had to be fixed, there was just, it was taking months for folks at a time. That's not a matter of getting the inspections done. That that moves fast as can be. We're out there as, as soon as we can and get everybody involved. It's usually a real, real quick process. Repairing it, though, once that part gets started, um, not much I can do. There's not much I can do to make the mechanic turn the screws any faster or, or get the screws from Japan any faster, you know? What uh, are there some other things that we need to be thinking about while we're sort of putting into our mindset what we need to be doing there at the accident scene? At the scene, because um, you only have one chance. You you absolutely only have one chance in your average car crash. You're leaving the scene pretty quickly. First, don't leave the scene without talking to the police. The law requires it. Now, if you call 911 and 911 says all the officers are busy, there's a snowstorm, and they're tied up all over town, you can leave. You can leave, okay? Uh, but unless you've been excused by the police department, do not leave the scene just because it doesn't seem important to you. It's against the law, and it can and will be used against you in a court of law that says you knew you were required to stay there and you left before the police came. Uh, when you do talk to the police, be absolutely 100% honest with them. Um, have your all your insurance and car ownership, title registration stuff, have that all ready to go. Our office has little packets, little uh, envelopes to keep that stuff ready to go. So when you pull in, whether it's at the mechanic or with the police, you pull out a packet and here's everything you need to know about this vehicle and about paying for the damage. Um, talk to them don't investigate at the scene um just make sure everybody's okay we talked about that earlier but i'm telling you just make sure everybody's okay bart we talked a little bit earlier about how a witness might feel mm -hmm. they might say right. well this person made me feel uncomfortable like they were trying to twist my words or turn the story um, we talked a little bit earlier as well about how you don't want to get accused of being fire mad and and having said some heinous things at the scene. Nothing good's going to come out of it. It's going to make you look like a jerk. But you also, if, if you think of it this way, you go in front of a jury of your peers later. Turns out you needed surgery. You had a knee issue you didn't know about at the time. Or rotator cuffs commonly get messed up in, a, in car crashes and aren't, aren't obvious from the beginning. Just feels like normal little shoulder pain. It just never goes away. And it turns out there's a... Uh, there's a necessary rubber band in the shoulder that did, that got broken. Um, so stuff comes up later. If you're going in front of a jury months or a year or so later and telling them, I was hurt, here's why this other person should pay for my medical bills and my losses. Juries may find that hard to believe if it sounds like you were sitting around the scene like law and order with a pen and paper and a notepad and investigating everything up and down that, that you were really worried about your health when you were measuring mufflers and things <laughs> like that, right? You're right. So yeah. getting everybody stable and getting getting back out of there 
and then get to the doctor's office is truly the best thing you can do for yourself in case you do have some issues down the road. So first of all, uh, be sure everybody's okay. Be sure that uh, somebody's not trapped in the vehicle down uh, next to you or something. Be sure, be concerned with your family, with everybody else's family. Here's why I, I, why I say that over and over again. I try to be empathetic to folks, right? You get in a crash and it's 100% not your fault. Some idiot has just backed into your car on a 30 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour road and just hit you. Understandably, your day's ruined. You may be hurt. Under, you got every good reason to be angry at the person. If you can, table that anger because you don't know whether they have a baby in the backseat who needs help. Right? So trying to be empathetic to the circumstance. Make sure everybody's okay. How are you going to feel down the road? It's not your fault. There's nothing to do with that. But boy, if there was a little child in the backseat that had nothing to do with it, that needed to get help, and suddenly the grown-ups are standing outside yelling at each other like they're at a Little League game, right? Instead of taking care of the kid. It's just the good human thing to do. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for a moment, and we'll be entering our final break. So if you have a question, give us a call or text 615-893-1450. Brandon Bass, local attorney with the law offices of John Day, is with us today. We're talking about uh, what you should be doing if you're involved in a car or truck crash. Turn your fingers into a microphone and talk back. WGNSRadio.com is Rutherford County's online source for what matters to you. WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. You won't believe what you'll find at the co-op. If you're needing that perfect gift, we've got it. We have wonderful gift ideas in our gift department, great selection of Carhartt clothing and other fashion clothes. We also, in our pet and bird section, have everything you need for your feathered and furry friends. So please come see us. You won't believe what you'll find at the Co-op. Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Here's a question. What do you want from your electric co-op? Fast response if the power goes out. An app that keeps me informed. Tips to lower my monthly bill. Communication on things that matter to me. Done, 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 done. I want to know everything. Everything? Well, young lady, let me show you the MyMTE app. Energy Service Life. That's Middle Tennessee Electric. We're here to get done what matters most to you. Learn more at mte.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with cloudy sky conditions and temperatures holding rather steady. Northwest winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. This is Chip Walters, and you're listening to Rutherford County's Blue Raider Station. Yeah, we got them. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. 
We are back again. Attorney Brandon Bass is with us this morning from the law offices of John Day. What do you do or what do you not do when you're involved in a car or truck crash? That's what we're focusing on today. Hopefully you will not need this information, (laughs) but if you do need it, it's good to know it. Yeah, I don't know how many of us make it through all of our driving career without ever having uh, an accident of any kind. Are younger people or older people or are people pretty equally uh, involved in automobile accidents? I think it affects everybody who gets behind the wheel. Certainly, we we have a mental image, I think, of uh, the 16-year-olds getting in the most crashes and the, the younger and experienced drivers getting in the most crashes. And and maybe there's some... Um, maybe if you mapped out how much time they spend on the road versus the rest of us, you could get to a point of saying it. But look, we get calls from all ages uh, and all ages causing crashes and all ages being the victims of crashes um most crashes are the result of inattention as much as anything and it's real easy to get inattentive once you're used to driving you know we see a whole lot of folks my age in their 40s um it's it's just it's a matter of being a little too comfortable most of the time what about these self-driving cars i mean they're out on the roadways right now are they better than uh, an individual driving them? I, I, I think I've heard that uh, some of the big convoys with the 18-wheelers on the roadway are self-driving. I, I think they're moving towards it. One of the benefits I think they see is they can create like you, the convoys exactly like you said, where they can line up two trucks you know, six feet apart of each, from each other doing 70 miles an hour and save gas by by creating wind resistance uh, and wind buffering for the ones in the convoy. I think it remains to be seen what a benefit self-driving cars will be over the next decade or two. Um, I think in the long run, we're definitely seeing we're moving in the Star Trek direction that we'll be having self-driving vehicles at at some point. Uh, But also, I got in one uh, that a friend had not too long ago. Um, and it, they said it was self-driving, but you still had to sit and hold your hands on the wheel and such. And I thought, well, that's just driving with extra steps. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, just just let me have the wheel if you're yeah. gonna, if you're going to make me sit and pay attention. It, this doesn't feel like a taxi. Uh, um, so I, I think it remains to be seen what issues will arise. I recall at one time some of the self-driving vehicles there were concerns about how they would respond in certain weather conditions snow or certain types of rain might throw off their infrared cameras um, but uh, we'll see more and more as as they get better and as they trickle down into the used car lots as well. Now people may not stop and think about it but even here in Murfreesboro there are a lot of self-driving vehicles capable of it anyway that are on the roadways that you pass every day and some of them are in that self-driving mode if you're involved in an accident how do you know if that car was self-driving and if so what do you do to to (laughs) confirm that uh as a driver nothing let your lawyer handle that okay um but i am confident and i don't know the computer systems for every single vehicle 
I am confident though that before any major automotive manufacturer puts one on the roadway, they have systems in place that record probably not just locally but also through satellite back to the the manufacturer's homestead whether it was in automatic driving at the time because they don't want to be held you know somebody does back out in the middle of the roadway they want to be able to prove that was not our car that was not our fault that was the that was driver error um but i have not had to dive into that issue and it's uh uh, they're out there, um, uh, but I still think they're they're in the few and far between category, um, and I have not had anybody raise a questions as to a debate as to whether or not they were actually in self driving mode at the time. Brandon, we have about a minute left in the broadcast. What, in summary, would you say to people that they could carry away from this broadcast today? First thing is, if you get in a crash with a truck or another car, don't admit fault at the scene because you don't know what all the facts are just yet. You just know what you saw, but you have no idea what that other driver was doing at the time. Second is, make sure everybody's okay. Talk to the police and be honest with them. Then third, hand it over to a professional to do any investigation. You don't want anybody to accuse you of trying to uh, twist their words or intimidate a witness or even intimidate the other driver. Just get yourself to safety and go get some medical care if you need it. Brandon Bass, local attorney, our guest this morning from the law offices of John Day. We've been talking about what do you do if you're involved in a vehicle accident. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Good to see you, Bart. Thank you. Stay with us. Much more to come right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS Murfreesboro. Uh, be aware the weather is going to be changing, not so much today, but especially tonight and tomorrow. We'll be checking the weather throughout the day. If it changes dramatically, you'll find out about it right here on WGNS. See you tomorrow. <laughs>